Hello, my friends, and welcome to the REP podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Tracy Heal, works with quantum physics and is an energy healer who has naturally helped herself become asymptomatic from multiple sclerosis. And we're going to get into the conversation a little bit throughout this session today. But firstly, thank you so much, Tracy, for spending some time with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Ari. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about what it is that you do uh, for the person who is listening to this episode who has no idea what energy healing is. Can you give us a bit of a rundown, please? What I do for my clients and as far as energy goes, because they're kind of two different things. Intuitively, I help my clients move from a place of feeling stuck because that's most of my clients are women feeling stuck from 35 to 55. And I look at their physical symptoms. And we look at their cycles they're currently experiencing. And then from that, I use my intuition. And then I use some energy healing, which I'll explain to help them move forward, get out of these cycles that they don't want anymore, whether it's continually dating the wrong person or continuing to go on a diet, put the weight back on, you know, the yo-yo diet or hate their job, feel stuck in their marriage, whatever it is. I use frequency on different ways to help them see that their body is responding to the frequencies that not only they're putting out, but bringing back in. So one of the modalities I use is called emotional clearing. And that is with permission, tapping into subconscious and finding what emotions are creating a wall around their energetic heart. It's their heart, but the energy of their heart and those walls create the appearance of being led by the ego. Those are what create the cycles. I also use something called the AO scanner, which will scan people from anywhere around the world. And I use that to find out what's going on in the body. Those are my two main modalities that I use. I love quantum physics. I do my best. Just taught somebody yesterday some basic quantum physics. And I'm not a quantum physicist, but I love it so much that quantum level is so fascinating but it really is our whole world. And when we can understand how that works, we can understand how the macro world works and why you are experiencing your reality the way you are. There are a few things that I want to pull apart from what you've just said. You talk about how people experience physical symptoms that are manifestations of emotional blockages or stagnancy within the emotional body. And that there are these frequencies that we experience from a physical perspective, an energetic perspective, and those frequencies push their way out into our space around us, whether it be only our auric space or beyond, then their relationships and the people that they come into contact with will experience their frequency. And that a lot of the work that you do is really about helping them understand their frequency and working through emotional clearing in the subconscious so that I'm assuming their relationships get better, their lives get better, and they can just live in whatever purpose it is that they feel that they're here for. When you talk about the energetic heart wall, can you please explain that a little bit for our listeners? There's so many different ways that we can talk about this, but I'm really interested to hear 
how do you work with this particular heart wall? I will reference the HeartMath Institute, which I know you've heard of, and they have measured the energetic frequency of the actual heart. Stanford has done this. They've been doing it for years. The last one I read, they can measure up to nine feet. I think the heart can go out much further but maybe they just don't have the instrumentation yet to measure that. But when you are guided by your ego, meaning you are either in fear, in anger, in sadness, all three, you put up walls around your heart. So of course they're etheric walls. These walls are to protect you from the etheric tiger chasing you, but we don't have a tiger chasing us anymore. Emails that are building up in our inbox, their social media comments that feel threatening to you. They're driving in traffic that is making you angry. These are our new tigers or the 21st century tigers. And all of that, when we don't process the emotions, they go around our heart wall, creating a fake you, a fake person, persona. Because what you're trying to do is appear as somebody who's got it all together. Don't we all do that? I've got it all together. You're perfect in every way. But realistically, you're either hurting inside, you're sad, you're angry, you're frustrated. And so we put these walls up. Everyone knows that saying, like you're putting your guard up, you're putting your wall up, but they go around your heart and they will eventually literally damage your heart and other parts of your body. But these walls prevent you from being the real you. When all of these walls can be dissolved back into the universe, transmuted, we get to shine our true self, our true essence, which is our heart, because that is the essence of who we are. We all can connect to each other through our heart. And so when these walls come down, um, I tap into the subconscious and find out which layers are ready to be released. And as they get released, quite literally, it's upgrading your DNA. Once these emotions are released, I always tell people it's going to take about a week. Your body's got to adapt to what just got released and you're upgrading your DNA. You're actually raising your frequency, which is really all I'm trying to do for people, help them understand what frequency is and raise it because the higher we are in our frequency, the more we manifest what we desire and follow our passion and purpose and more empowered within ourselves to say, this is what I know I need and humanity needs. This is my gift to humanity. When we are leading by our heart, that is what we can contribute. We get to be of service to others, but also be ourselves and make sure that we are also taken care of. By raising your frequency, you really start to understand that taking care of yourself is really important so that you can take care of others. And I suppose what happens is throughout our lives, we have experiences that have us put up these walls. Perhaps this experience happened when you're a child or when you were in your early adulthood and you make this decision, the subconscious decision that that's never going to happen to you again. And so you create this barrier to try and stop yourself from being hurt you put up this wall, maybe the wall looks like being arrogant, or maybe the wall looks like being nasty to people with a certain disposition. You have this wall. Yes, it may stop you from getting hurt, but the problem with this is that it doesn't allow anything in, yes, but it also doesn't allow anything out. And that's what you're speaking to here is this wall that goes up, the inability, not so much to be hurt, inevitably we will be hurt throughout our lives, but it's also about us not being able to shine as 
who we truly are. We're not able to be authentically us because we're carrying all of these hurts and these wounds and we feel like we need to be someone else to protect ourselves. I like what you say there. It's this ego slash fake persona that we, like a mask you put on so that you're not being hurt. I'm sure that this work that you do is really freeing for women. As they're going through this emotional clearing, they find themselves a completely new person. Well, I'll be honest, in the beginning, it's not as in your face and harsh as straight up shadow work, but you will encounter things that your ego, once again, is like, I refuse to see that, or I don't want to face that right now. Things will come up and it happens every time you'll start to retreat and withdraw back into yourself because you're seeing things from a real point of view. Now, something can happen when you're seven, that seven-year-old is still in your body. She or he is still in there waiting to be heard, to be seen, to be understood. And when that seven-year-old you is confronted, your adult you is like, whoa, 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 I'm an adult. I can logically reason this out, but your seven-year-old is they don't want logic. They just want to be loved. It's difficult for a while, difficult period, depending on where all of this is stemming from. Growth is not linear. Like anything, it's not linear. So we have highs, we have lows. You're going to see the light and then suddenly it's going to go a little dim and then you see more light and it's going to go dim. But the trajectory is always upward and it's always very eye-opening for my clients. And they get to finally see where they're really going and what they truly desire and how they can get there. A lot of the people that I work with as well, and I'm sure this is something that you see a lot of too, is that these walls or these fake personas, they have us believing that we need to be a certain person in the world. And when these walls start coming down, it leaves the person almost clueless to a certain extent where they don't know what they want, who they are, where they're going, it's almost like a complete new blank canvas from which they can start their life. And it can be a little bit disorienting, especially for those who have found themselves on an upward trajectory in their lives. They've got it all planned out. They're going to do this by this age and that by that age. And all of a sudden they go through this work, whether it's shadow work or doing this emotional clearing. And they come to a point where they realize, uh, this is not at all what I signed up for. I do not want to continue on this path. But if not this, then what? There's this moment of stillness, which probably has never happened before. This moment of stillness where they get to really carve out the rest of their lives. If not the rest of their lives in the next year. What is it that I really want to do? How do I feel in this moment? What do I love doing? And that's the thing that trips most people up is when I say, what do you do for fun? What do you love doing? Their response is, I don't know what you mean, because they've never really taken the chance to figure this out for themselves. I love that you bring this up because it can be disorienting at first. It can be earth shattering to the point where you have no idea what's next and that's okay. It's almost to be expected to a certain degree. It happened to me too. It's like, okay, well now what? A big part of my program is shattering beliefs. I'm 49. We were taught you finish high school, you go to college, and then you get a job, and then you get married, you have the kids, you have the house. Why does it have to go that way? And if that's what you want, awesome. But so many people just, like you said, they didn't have time to stop and think, well, what do I really want? Because they're just on to the next thing. They finish one thing, it's on to the next, or on to the next three things, just to check off the boxes. Mm. And so I come from a point of view of, okay, let's question, question everything, but let's question why... Do you have to do it this way? You don't have to do anything. So let's 
question your real beliefs, especially religion. Like that comes up for my clients a lot. They were raised a certain way and then they're, I don't know what I believe. And so many things come up. Why did I eat three meals a day? All of this stuff you grew up with that you thought was totally normal and everyone else did it. It's not that way. And when you find that out, what? You think the other person's weird. Let's question, why are we doing this? Why do you have to wear socks when you go to bed? Because the monsters are going to eat your feet. Some things are just so bizarre. Like you said, giving them that space to sit with their own thoughts and take back what they truly believe deep down in their heart is sometimes very overwhelming because one, they're not used to listening to their heart. And two, you have the steering wheel. Where do you want to go? You can go in any direction you want. You can get on a boat. You don't even need to drive a car. It's shattering the beliefs of societal norms, basically, to say that you may not fit the mold of everyone around you. And that's totally okay. We need to make sure that you're following your passion. And in order to do so, we have to break down the walls of your heart and let your authenticity shine through. My husband and I, close to 10 years ago now, we got married and we were just doing the do. You get married. Then you try and have children and you have children and you continue down the path. And we weren't able to fall pregnant. And it put a pause in our lives where we got to a point that we had to decide whether or not we were going to pursue it anymore. And when we decided to just put everything on hold, we were very emotional. Everything was happening. We didn't know which way to turn. And we thought, we'll just put a pause on it and reassess what we want. And that pause turned into a decision that no, we weren't going to pursue having children. If it happens naturally, fine, no problem, but we weren't going to pursue the path of whatever was next for us. Throughout that process, from the moment we decided not to pursue anything further, this is where the real work started because I don't have many people around me who are married very happily, but are childless. So what does that look like for me? What does my life look like? What does my work look like? I could start to reconfigure my whole life. I could go and live wherever I wanted, do whatever I chose. I wasn't confined by this pause of 18 years. You work it out that for the next 18 years, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to do the things that help my family progress. But when you don't have that pause of 18 years, you are faced with this whole new opportunity. And I use this as an example because quite often we think that our lives are going to go a certain way and it could apply to anything. You could be married and then something happens in your marriage and you're stumped. You just stop and you think this is not the way things were supposed to go. Things were supposed to look very different. But in that moment, there's an opportunity to redefine what is next for you, redefine where you want to go. You can literally paint a completely new picture for yourself. It's so important to be reminded of that, especially when the universe slaps you off your perch, when you just feel like there's a stop to the story. It's not a stop. It's just a little pause. You can reassess and then choose whatever it is that you want to do. I keep on reminding my clients that, especially those who have this timeline there's a pause in your timeline for a reason there's something else there for you waiting for you to pick it up you're not paying attention to something or you're ignoring something you're ignoring a feeling a thought something that's happened yes there's a reason that you're experiencing this at this time and it's because 
you need to listen to what the universe is telling you. This can apply to falling ill as well, which I really want to talk to you about because I know quite a few of my listeners have expressed their desire to learn more about multiple sclerosis and also your journey when it comes to healing naturally. I'm sure that there was a moment when you were first diagnosed and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that you had that thought, this is not the way this was supposed to happen. And there's a point in there where you get to choose your own story and you chose a a story that wasn't very conventional. And I really want to hear all about that, please. Um, please. I was very stubborn. I'm an Aries, very, very stubborn and very much in the masculine feel, like role because I was working with athletes and I was very science-minded and I was doing all the things I was doing all the time. When I got diagnosed, I like the analogy you said, knocked me right off my perch. I didn't even really know what it was. No one really talked about it. I went on medication initially and it was horrible. It was a shot every day that had to be refrigerated. It felt like I had the flu. I had sight reactions every shot. So I just took myself off. No, this doesn't make any sense. I'm supposed to live the rest of my life doing this. There's no way. And I went to a pet store to get my dog food. And there was a girl working there. And I don't know how this conversation started. I don't even know her name. I wish I knew. Said something about having multiple sclerosis. I'm like, you do? She's like, yeah. I said, well, what are you taking? She goes, oh, I'm natural, just food and whatever. Well, there's a concept. It took someone else. You don't have to listen to the doctors. And it was that moment. It was very pivotal for me to say, you know, if these doctors don't know what causes it and there is no cure, they're just lumping symptoms into something. And I truly now believe that it's all neurological. It's just lumped into symptoms. I don't really, I don't want to say I don't believe in multiple sclerosis. I mean, I know it's plaque in the brain, but I don't, I don't subscribe to it. I never say I have it. I was diagnosed with it. I don't have it. I've been symptom free for 20 years. I was diagnosed in 2000. The internet was just booming at that year. I went down the rabbit hole and found all kinds of things. I mean, I was bit by a tick when I was three and it buried itself in my neck. I had mono and so possibly Lyme's disease, I don't know. But in all of my determination, and again, I was stubborn, very, very stubborn. I knew I needed to figure this out and I didn't know why, but I knew that I couldn't be on medication and I was too stubborn to let the doctors say, because they did tell me, you'll be in a wheelchair the rest of your life if you don't take medication. And that was not an answer I wanted to hear. Oh, you don't tell me that. I understood the body really well because I have a master's degree in kinesiology and I was already pretty well-versed in nutrition, but I dialed it in more specific to anti-inflammatory. And I just kept dialing things in. But as I was going along, I'm like, stress is a huge thing overwhelmed and overworked at the time I got diagnosed. If I'm stressed, but other people are stressed. Why aren't they getting multiple sclerosis? It's obviously something that was in my sphere of living that created multiple sclerosis versus heart disease or anything else. So I started whittling down basically this ideal structure and realized that my emotions were playing a huge role in my stress. Why am I experiencing all this stress? It's my emotions to it. And as I delved into Eastern philosophy more and uh, so many other avenues of, of understanding disease, realizing that emotions are really the foundation of our frequency because all energy has a frequency. 
And this took me years. I just kept whittling down and like, okay, then what? Like, what's the root of the root of the root of the root cause? And it always was coming back to emotion. It kept coming back to, you know, anger and fear and fear is a huge one. So most people who are diagnosed with multiple sclerosis are sitting in more of a fear frequency because that causes anxiety and that anxiety causes stomach issues. And those stomach issues cause gut dysbiosis and unable to digest foods. You get food intolerances. The list goes on and on and on. And there's just a certain personality for people who have anxiety, overwhelm, type A personality. They all kind of fit this box. They check these certain boxes and not all, but so many. And then you can link them up with the parasites and the viruses. And I was in the army and I got a whole bunch of shots to go overseas. So maybe that was a catalyst. So something's the catalyst and the launching pad is the emotion. If it's not processed well, you're going to either drop off the platform or you'll walk backwards and figure out what happened. But the catalyst is the tangible part. So did you get bit by a tick? Did you get Lyme disease? Did you get mono? Did you get a parasite? There's spirochetes and all these other things. So that's more the catalyst. And then the launching pad is the emotion. If you get a parasite and you aren't able to emotionally handle the fact that you got a parasite in a fear-based thinking, like, oh my God, now what? And I'm afraid I'm going to get sicker and I'm going to have to take medication and all of these things. The fear builds up around your organs. And that is what is going to create the disease because you are now out of balance. That's all disease is, is you're out of balance. And it's your body's way of telling you that something's out of balance and we need to come back in, see what's going on. You need to pause as you like to say, pause, breathe, go internal and see what's happening because you're just not listening. I wasn't listening. I can tell you that much. It's about slowing down and balancing out that masculine feminine. The doing is great because that's productivity. We need some productivity, but we also need the rest and digest. We also need the being the creativity of flow of life. Because if we don't have both, then we get stuck in something's going out, but nothing's coming in and we get drained and vice versa. If something's always coming in and you're not letting go, we get stuck. So we have to have this beautiful flow. It's yin yang, however you want to phrase it. But when you aren't acknowledging what's going on in your emotions, your mental state, you will just continue to experience the same things over and over again. And the catalyst will just be different every time. Then you get into a car accident and now your symptoms go up again because you got into a car accident. You're sitting in fear again because you're afraid to get back in the car. And then a year later, you experience a, a storm and the storm floods your house. Now you're back in fear again. And now you reactivated your symptoms again. So it's a matter of managing the symptoms of your emotions or the emotions themselves so that you can manage any disease. You can break free of any, any, any disease by managing your emotions. So when we talk about fear, and let's just stick with that as an example, how do you work through fear to the point where the emotions aren't manifesting into dis-ease in the body? First of all, you have to know what fears you're dealing with. And usually when I say fear, people are like, I don't have any fears. And I'm not talking about phobias, although that could be something that's a whole nother category, but fear, like fear of success, fear of failure, fear of abandonment, 
a lot of these are really, really, really deep rooted. And that's where we look at the cycles. We have to know the cycles to know what kind of fear we're dealing with. And when I'm working with my clients, we have to uncover these layers. There's so many layers. And what they're telling me initially is never the main fear. It's something so much deeper. And when we uncover it, they're like, oh, and I remember when this happened when I was seven years old and I remember feeling this. Okay, that is what I'm talking about. It's not something you can consciously be aware of. It's not something that we can just go and meditate for 10 minutes and the fear is gone. We really have to know what the fear is before we can address it. And typically what I do is have people write a letter to that younger version of themselves. Cause I always find it comes from childhood somewhere, write a letter to the younger version of themselves. We'll do a scribbling exercise. We do different exercises to help become best friends with it. And once you do that, it dissolves itself. Just as a personal example, I woke up four years ago. I never napped. I napped two o'clock in the afternoon and I woke up bawling my eyes out because I had this fear of abandonment. Where is this coming from? I mean, I was really, really upset. Another layer had just popped up out of nowhere. I was crying and it feel great. This is again, years and years of work. I can just see one. I see you, I cry, we're good. And then it's gone. When you're in the beginning stages of this, it's very difficult because again, that ego wants to protect you and it doesn't want you to see all the hurting parts. These layers, they do come up all the time. I know exactly what you mean. And I think what you said earlier on where healing isn't linear, we expect it to get easier or better. And we get a little bit upset when we've gone through this whole healing crisis. Let's say we come out the other end and we feel fabulous. And then a year down the track, we have another one and we think I was supposed to be over this. I've done the work. Why am I back here? And that's that whole delinear process of healing in the layers. And something that I do quite often is I try to work my way closer towards the thing that's making me feel tense. So if I have an experience where I have say a headache, this is one of my rhythms. This is how I know when my body's starting to come up with something is I start to get a headache. And if I allow my ego to want to know why, where's it coming from? Why is it happening? Where'd it come from? All of these questions, what happens is that I'm reacting to the headache in fear and I'm trying to solve the problem as opposed to doing the one thing that is quite scary in the moment when you're about to get a migraine and the last thing you want is a migraine. I've been a migraine sufferer for years. All I do is just soften into it and I surrender to it to the point where it feels counterintuitive in the moment, but I think to myself, it's totally fine. I can get one. I can get a migraine. I've got three days of my sleep. I can just sleep. I can cancel my plans and I'll be fine. And if I allow myself that, but genuinely allow myself that space, not just trying to trick myself into it. If I'm genuinely surrendering to the fact that my body needs to rest, what I naturally find is it just goes away. The headache goes away. You know, maybe I have a sleep and I wake up and I feel fine or it just naturally dissolves. And that's the word you used was dissolves. And it really does dissolve, disappears. Whereas if I'm fighting and pushing up against it, it gets worse. 
And it gets to the point where, you know, my body will put me in a state of complete slumber for three days. And I'm happy to say that, relieved to say that that hasn't happened for me for a very long time because I am getting to that point where I'm able to dissolve into the or dissolve the fear of whatever is coming. And this applies to everything, right? This is the same thing Mm. that you were talking about. It applies to everything. If you can approach whatever it is that's making you feel fearful or apprehensive or whatever negative, and I'm using air quotes here, whatever negative emotion you may be experiencing or afraid of experiencing, if you can dissolve into it, surrender to it, what naturally happens is there's no resistance up against it. And so it can just flow through you. And if energy is constantly looking to be in motion, the moment you put up resistance to that energetic flow, this is where you're going to see the blockage and the stagnancy. But if you can open yourself up to that energy flowing and lose the resistance against it, it can just flow and you can wake up crying from a nap because of a fear of abandonment that came seemingly out of nowhere but was working its way through your system over four years and you probably had a dream that was so deep in your subconscious you didn't realize it and it sparked an emotional reaction which allowed that energy to pop and flow through you and the tears release it but what happens is we get to this point where you wake up and you're fearful of the fact that you're fearful (laughs) and you suppress it and you just stop the energetic flow all over again. It's kind of like trying to swim up river, right? If we're constantly fighting, we're going to tire out. If you just turn around, put your feet downstream and enjoy the flow, life is so much easier, but also it's okay to be uncomfortable. And I think that's you're at with your migraines is it's okay to be uncomfortable there's nothing's going to happen. So, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes because going through this spiritual growth is uncomfortable. And if you fight it, if you go upstream, if you try to hit the wall and punch through it, you're going to be way more tired. So it's just allow yourself to be uncomfortable momentarily for the peace on the other side. Because once you do it several times, it's not that it so much gets easier. It's you're more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the more you do that, the easier that aspect gets. And so I do want to say too, with my fear of abandonment, that it was kind of a dream. It was a memory from a past life. I've had several of them, but it was a past life memory. So I do like to tell my clients too, if you have something that's coming up and you're like, I have no idea why I have this emotion. A lot of times it's past life or handed down from your ancestors, which tend to create the most chaos in people's bodies because they're fighting it so much because they don't understand it and it's not even yours. So I want to make sure people know that because it's really important to understand. Sometimes it's really not yours. It could be a collective healing that you're undertaking and that even though that makes even less sense for a lot of people, if that is part of your path and that is a gift that you can give back is putting yourself in a place of healing for a collective wound, then that's an opportunity for us as well. You've been diagnosed, you're stubborn. You've heard this lady speak about the fact that you can do this naturally. You have moments between that 
realization and what happens next? Once I realized that it was my emotions, I just started digging in more and I went then into breath work, certified breath coach. I teach TRE to people, which is trauma release exercise. What I like to do essentially is merge the, I'll say the woo woo, I'm doing air quotes now, but the spiritual with the scientific, because there is emerging and that's in the area of the chakras, which I love. Once I understood it was emotions. And once I understood I can do emotional clearing, I started emotionally clearing myself before I worked on anybody else. And I started with 800,000 emotions to clear. And I've been at zero for at least a decade now. As you release these emotions out, I was starting to notice changes pretty quickly within a few months, because I was able to release them as often as I could for myself. And I was noticing these changes in my beliefs and my thoughts. And I really wanted to make sure that I was taking care of myself because no one else is going to do that for me. So that was a nice gift I got to go through. And so as I kept clearing, I became more me. And of course, again, not linear, like we keep saying, but as I was becoming more me, it was easier to help other people who were like me to see that they can also be more of that. As I kept doing it, the clouds were starting to clear away and I can breathe better. And I used to have a really bad blocked throat chakra, which I cleared up by really working on that area. I would get bronchitis every year. And I was even diagnosed with asthma at one point. All of these shifts that I put myself through, I got uncomfortable so much. So that was my own guinea pig. <laughs> Just test things on myself, see how they work out. I did a quantum healing hypnosis technique a couple of times. I went through and really decided to dig my heels in and just get to work and see how much I can improve my mental, emotional, spiritual states so that I can help the collective, essentially. I'm also a Chicago firefighter. So I've been on the job since I've been diagnosed, essentially. There's been a couple of people who are also on the job who were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. They're not doing well. And with that, I started a Facebook group called Healing MS Naturally that I've been going on for six years now. But essentially, I knew that I had to manage my emotions. And there was just, I got divorced and I went through a really bad divorce and bankruptcy. So there's a lot of things I had to extract out of my brain. And I'm so glad this is just audio because I'm actually doing a lot of hand motions, pulling things out of my brain right now. But I had to pull things out and look at them face on, you know, I had to look myself in the, in the mirror many times and like, this is what you're, you're doing. This is how you're thinking. Like, what is going on here? Like you, like, what is this trying to tell me without forcing the answer or having ego attached to it? It's a fine line. It's a tough one. And so just continuing on this journey so that I can learn how to heal myself so that I can help others who want to heal naturally do the same thing. And so you have this Facebook group that people can join. If you're listening to this and you want to have access to that, I'll put the link in the show notes and you support people through this Facebook group and you have other programs. I'm guessing that also support people with this particular intention. I do. So the Facebook group is pretty well group run. There's almost 23,000 people in there, but everyone's really good. It's pretty well self-managed. Uh, and then my own coaching. So I use my scanner. I use my emotional clearing and I am launching my seven month program. 
the foundation is chakras, but we don't go deep into chakras, but we want to start from the foundation, which is the root, because building a house on sand doesn't make sense. So we want to have a strong foundation. There's the educational aspect. There's the, the healing aspect. There's different components to each chakra. And as you move up, you get a better understanding. You know, one chakra is going to be a lot more applicable to you than another one. And that's totally okay. But the idea is to really learn how your frequency that you're putting out affects you physically as you go along in this lifetime. And we want to get you back into tapping into intuition so that you can be authentically, unapologetically you. Beautiful. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I am so grateful that you took some time to be with us because there is such power in these encounters, just the same way as you had that one woman give you a light bulb moment that set you off on a path of healing and learning new ways to heal. My hope is that this story that you've shared, your own personal experience, can also act as a bit of a lighthouse for others who find themselves at a crossroad. So thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing your services and your being who you are in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you were here with me today. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for your beautiful light. All right, my friends, I will see you and be with you in our next episode. Bye for now.